Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Big Apple Hockey. We have a lot, and I do mean that not exactly loudly. We have a lot that we have to unpack. Uh, hold on. I just want to make sure I was muted right there, and I am. Uh, there was a little bit of feedback. I just don't know where that's from. Anyway, everybody, I am Mark Williams, your slightly under-the-weather host, and I'm joined by the host of The Final Buzzer, Mr. John Volkowski. I guess that says it all. He's a man of few words. And the man that I wrote in as uh, for near governor last night, Mr. Anthony Larocco. Oh, thanks. Well, I, I, I appreciate the, the vote, Mark. And um, yeah, let's, uh, I guess we could, you know, we can get this started. But uh, last last night was, a, was an interesting game. And that, that's for sure. The word interesting it really does apply right here. And you have to use the word interesting. And uh, we lost Phil for one second. We're going to get him back right now. Um, still looks like he's connected in some way. The, I mean, yeah. unfortunately, that's where when people say to you, oh, hey, what's going on with that? Oh, that's interesting. interesting. Yeah. yeah. There you go. There you go. Uh, okay. We're getting a little bit of an echo for a second, but there we go. All right. So after most Ranger games, you can watch that guy right down at the bottom, Mr. John Pokowski. And uh, let me actually, let me just see if I have my audio is fine. My echo cancellation is fine. You sound fine. I don't know what you're. All right. I'm, I'm just hearing like a little bit of a buzz in the background. Yeah. I, I hear anyway. a little bit of it too. I don't hear anything. Okay. Hmm. Well, we'll just keep going. So. We're sorry about the the confusion, folks. Just want to get an audio problem taken here. But anyway, you can watch after most Ranger games with Filk. Um, I, I try to do as many 60 second shorts as possible. The uh, 60 second recap last night took about three minutes because, as much as I want to give credit to the New York Islanders, I'm going to get more into what my other opinion is in a moment. But everybody, if you remember last night, which Anthony does because he was smiling from the result. The New York Islanders beat the New York Rangers four to three with the third with the three goal third period, and you can see the Islanders' record is now nine and five, which is not on the screen, but they got goals from Adam Pellick, Brock Nelson, and Anders Lee to win in regulation. Now, before we get to the final goal of the night, let's talk about first. Thoughts on the Islander comeback, their third comeback in the last 11 days when they beat Colorado and Calgary. Anthony, your thoughts on the third period comeback? I mean, you know, the night before against Calgary, um, they got, I mean, at one point, I think it was like eight, 18 to two with shots on goal uh, in the Flames' favor. Uh, you know, Elias Sorokin, you know, held the fort and kept it to a manageable score. A um, couple of deflections had no shot on, but uh, and then in the third period, you know, they, they came back to life. So when they went down last night, I'm like, all right, well, the, they, they're playing back to back. I'm sure their legs are a little tired. They went it down three one. I'm like, what, what are the chances that they're going to do it again? Um, and sure enough, they did it again. Um, you know, and then, like you mentioned, they did it to Colorado about a week before um, the belief in the room is that they can come back no matter what the score is. And, you know, that's great to see. I mean, I think they, they all have the buy-in there. Clearly, Lambert's system is more high-octane, and they, they feel like they're never out of a game. So, um, you know, you just flash the goals four, six in the league in goals four, which I would have never imagined before the season started. Um, but it just shows resiliency. They, you know, they don't, they don't give up. 
Um, they play the same way, uh, even when they're down. Um, and yeah, they, they completed the comeback and, uh, I'm happy. I know I thought the game was over. So, I uh, know there's a lot more to unpack and, and talk about, but specifically the comeback though, like I said, um, you know, like it's nice to, it's nice to know your team's never out of it, but at the same time, you don't want to make it a habit of where you're having to come back because eventually you're not going to complete the comeback and you know, you're going to lose, but, um, it's nice to have that belief in your back pocket knowing, Hey, we've did it three times now. So it's definitely good to see. And, uh, I'm just looking forward to keeping this going, uh, Thursday against the Arizona team, which could be a trap game, but, um, you know, hopefully they collect the lead in that game. And, uh, you know, Phil and I are ready to, are ready to pounce with the counterpoints to a lot of this, but first Phil, uh, how critical for the Islanders was it getting that goal in the opening minute of the third period? I mean, it's big. It's big. It's a, you don't, you fall asleep at the wheel to start a period and that's what happens. And you can't do that. And the Islanders, I think you mentioned a 13 goal differential in the third periods. I believe it's 14 because I think last night, They said entering the third period of last night's game, they outscored the opposition 22 to 11, and then the Islanders got three goals in that period. So I think it's a plus 14 goal differential. This one was just 13 overall, but uh, thanks for bringing that up, though, because that's that's a huge number in the third period. Oh, that's overall. Okay, never mind. Sorry. Sorry. But you brought Um, up a good stat, too. No, but that's that's a big stat. and I, I don't know how you come out that unprepared for a third period knowing those stats. And there's no way you're going to tell me that Gerard Gallant is not cognizant of that stat. And if he is, then that's even more of a reason that he should be on a hot seat then. Which we're going to get more into that in a second, because I mean, obviously there's, there's lots to unpack with that. Here's one thing. When you're in that situation, I always – I had a coach tell me, just think of the game, then just split it in half. So the Islanders go in going, we need two goals in 10 minutes. Then immediately get one 30 seconds in. Now you're thinking, all right, now we got 20 minutes to get one. Then they get the game tied with about uh, seven minutes remaining. And then we're going to get into the final goal in a second. Then they get the game winner three minutes later. It's almost what they did to Colorado, how uh, they tied the game with I believe the Mayfield goal, Anthony, correct me if I'm wrong on that one. Yes. And then yeah. Beauvillier with the with what ended up being the game winner. Mm-hmm. But we're gonna have to unpack this because this is where it just gets it gets a little bit crazy. Because on the other side of it with the Rangers, they get goals from Vinny Trocek and uh and Chris Kreider and also an assist from each. The Rangers lose at regulation with a two-goal lead. They lost one game in regulation when they've led after two goals in the third period. Um, There's their record in one goal games right now. They also had this moment. Everybody, this is no goal, correct? That's no goal. That's no goal. Mm -hmm. Think about how much that could have changed if Verlamov didn't turn his skate right there because then that's the hair that goes over. And finally, last but not least, and I, I queued this up for this controversy. Well, Mark, Mark, on the- Mark yep. just just to another point before you get to that is, I believe it, it was still a three-one game when Jimmy VC had that breakaway and Varlamov stopped him. That was huge too. That could have that could have sealed the game as well. And again, the, the second period, 
the Rangers dominated that second period. It was almost the opposite of the Detroit game for them. Yeah. And here we go, guys. Napokako taken down by Wallstrom. Oh, the referees looked around. They didn't call it. And the Islanders score. Anders Lane. So, Phil, have at it. Were the Rangers screwed by the refs, or did they fail on their own? Combination of both, but I'm going to lean more towards the former than the latter. I mean, they played 40 minutes of good hockey, and the Islanders got away with a ton of calls last night that they should have been called for. I mean, you have Ryan Pollock and uh, Adam Pellick running around, interfering with anybody that they can interfere with, looking like the 1998 New Jersey Devils, trapping, holding, and interfering with everybody through each zone that they can. No calls. Three of them on Artemi Panarin. And then on one of those calls, you've got literally his glove around Panarin's neck, and they're not calling it. I don't understand that. Okay. Then you have Anders Lee with the, the Filipino holding uh, hooking penalty, which was an absolute atrocious call. It looks like they were trying to call something from 2005, 2006, where the, the stick parallel to the body rule and everything like that, Filipino never hooked him. Never, never hooked him. And then Anders Lee clamps down, grabs a stick. They don't call that. That's great. And then they don't call that at the end. Absolutely. But you know what? Keandre Miller, I don't know what you were doing there on, on that goal. I, I don't know if he fell asleep on that or something like that. I, I, I just I don't understand what the mentality is there and where the, the defense is. The defense have failed almost all night on all these goals, and these are just terrible mental breakdowns. But I'm sorry, I, I haven't seen a, a one-sided officiated game so bad in so long. It just terrible, terrible, terrible officiating. These guys should be held accountable for what they were doing because it looked like they had money on this game. Anthony, was this just that final play, or was there more to it than that? Well, um, I actually agree with with pretty much most of what Phil said. Um, you know, I, I I tell it like it is. Um, However, you know that that I'll get to the the blatant one, the Heedle one. He's right, but also at the same time, he you know Heedle did have his stick in Lee's midsection, and the referees they call that. They just call it. It's just veteran players they, make that play happen. They, yeah, just give him a second. <laughs> and, you know, the, the the little one barks barks at nothing, and then it gets the big one riled up. It, it's just a cyclical <laughs> thing that happens all the time. Um, the as far as the, the Kako one, the missed call on Wallstrom, the referee was right there. He he was right in front of it. Um, you know, it was to me, <laughs> it looked like a penalty. And you know, I'm texting, you know, Phil knows Ryan Dermody, I'm texting him, some of my Islander friends. I said, Look, if the shoe's on the other foot, I'm I'm furious right now. Um, it's it's a missed call. Uh, I don't know. And it, you know, I can somewhat rationalize if the referee was like down at the other end, but it happened right in front of him, so I don't know. I don't know what he saw. I like to try to get in his head and at least think of, okay, well, what, why didn't he? Um, I mean, the I can't really – the, the only thing I can come up with is I don't, maybe, he, maybe he felt that, that, that Kako oversold it a little bit, so therefore he didn't call it. I, I don't know. Honestly, I, I don't know why he wouldn't I can't have called even, it. I can't even, I, I can't even rationalize that. that. I, I, um, I couldn't even accept that. 
but nonetheless, uh, it ha- happened. Um, the Rangers also flew the zone a little too early in that play. They let Lee get behind both defensemen. Um, so yeah, it, it was it was a really bad call. Um, it's unfortunate that you know, kind of game winning goal happens in that manner. Um, but at the same time, you know, the Rangers had a three one lead and they got lax a days ago in the third period. You know, um, when you're talking about the comeback. You know, I'm sure the belief in the Islanders' room was, okay, well, let, let's get one in the first 10 and then go from there. You got one in 14 seconds. That changes the belief totally. Now it's like, oh, we already got one. Now we could definitely, you know, win this game, maybe even in regulation. So um, the Rangers dropped the ball early on, and the Islanders just took advantage of it. But, um, yeah, I'm pissed, though, if it's if it's me, if the shoe is on the other foot. Um, but, Mark, you said – Kind of in our text that the Rangers also did a lot wrong. Um, they weren't great defensively and had a lot of lapses. So uh, thanks, um, thanks for queuing me up, there. Anthony. Because oh yeah, <laughs> because Go after ahead. after the Palmieri goal in the first period, the Islanders were dominating thing. And one of the descriptions I was going to have it was the, the Rangers looked like Keystone cops. They were running around like no <laughs> no idea where they're going. There was more order in a in a in a Three Stooges movie. So then what happens is then the Rangers get a couple goals. They get up ahead and the Rangers are a great front running team. When they're up ahead they're when they're everything's going right, everything's going right for them. Then comes the third period. They let the Islanders dictate the third period, starting with that first shift. That first shift was total bullshit. And uh, I'm trying to keep the cursing to a minimum, uh, it, but it's I'm almost ready to go off. So first you give up one in the first, 14 seconds as you said then they're just flipping the puck out of the zone the entire time that's basically what your strategy is in the final two minutes not in 19 minutes remaining like you're out of your mind so then the rangers everything they did they had no offensive pressure they had nothing at all i know we were talking about the one-sided uh officiating but you know what you got to go earn your you got to go earn the ice in the third period every coach will tell you this and from peewee hockey all the way up and you know what? They looked, it was pathetic. Actually, I'll use, I used the word pathetic on Twitter. I'll use it now. It was a bunch of mistakes the Rangers made that ended up getting to this. And now let me go to the final goal. Because this is what happens. Because they were on their heels within, again, 14 seconds of the third period. Then they're, they give up the game-tying goal. Schneider gets... I mean, Schneider has not exactly played well. And again, I'm going to turn this down to focus in in a second. But then you get to the, then you get, Kako gets tripped up. Zabanajad looks for a call. Truba looks for a call. You know what Truba didn't look for? Anders fucking Lee. He was right behind him. That's Keandre Miller's man, actually. When when he ventures over to the left side of the ice, that becomes Keandre Miller's man. And Keandre Miller hasn't made many mistakes this season, many egregious ones. But that was the one of the ones that he was making somewhere between the first half, uh, the second half of the 2020-2021 season, his rookie year, and the first half of the previous season, 21-22. So we, that's what Keandre looked like right there on that play. And I, I'm I'm gonna this comment right here says it all like that, that pair needs to be changed because even hundred percent, Jacob Truba needs to be demoted to the third pair. I don't care what anybody says. This guy's not a captain. He should have never been a captain. I, I said it on here that I wasn't really keen on making him captain. I, I don't really care for it. I see why they did it, but this, this leadership group sucks. It sucks. They're pathetic. 
They're spineless. They're a bunch of friggin' cowards is what they are. There is no one with a sack on this team. No balls. Nothing. If this is Major League Two, I'm friggin' Isuro Tanaka at Pedro Sorano. No mobbles. No mobbles because nobody has them on this team. No huevos. It's a joke. It's an absolute joke that this team has named these guys captains because none of them are captain material. Don't tell me that Chris Kreider is captain material because I don't want to hear that because that guy has given me about one good effort this season so far. It's a joke. Jacob Truba, if you're hurt, sit. Sit. That's it. Sit. I don't care if you're hurt or not, but sit because you're not helping this team right now. I'd rather see Libor Hayek in than Jacob Truba. That's how bad Jacob Truba has been. So if he's hurt, let him sit, let him heal, and let him get better. And Ryan Lindgren's coming back tomorrow, so that, that's good news for the Rangers. But, I mean, this defense has been atrocious, absolutely atrocious. Mika Zibanejad has been playing well, but that guy can't score at five-on-five five right now. Artemi Panarin keeps passing up shots. Why are you passing up shots? Why? He had two shots that he could have taken point-blank range that probably would have ended up as goals had he shot, but no, passed it up to make another pass. Why do you do that? Why? So I I don't understand this team. I I really don't. Um, Sammy Blay needs to be waived. I'm sorry. I I think it's time to end that experiment. I I, I don't see any redeeming value in his game. He doesn't – he barely hits anybody. He looks like he has trouble keeping up with the play, so his knee might be cooked for all we know. And I, I would rather see Gustav Riedel up than Ryan Carpenter any day of the week at this point. Ryan Reeves can't ever play again because he's too slow to keep up. And um, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, hold back on the coach either. This feels like 92, 93 all over again, all over again. Roger Nielsen clashed with Messier. Roger Nielsen wasn't enough of a disciplinarian and an authority figure. And this team is not responding right now. And you have a guy that's not doing the job. He backskated them once, which is shocking because I, I never thought that I would hear about Gerard Gallant bagskating a team. But he bagskated them once this season when they probably could have used about two to four bagskates after some of the putrid efforts that they've given this uh, this season. So I, I think, and then if you watched his pressers or if you heard any of the comments last night, he was happy with the effort. Was he Was he really happy with that third period effort? I mean, I think the first two were all right. I think they played well in the first two, but they forgot that there was a third period to be played. So why is it that Gerard Gallant is happy? Because if that's me and, I, and I'm either Chris Drury or even James Dolan, I'm looking down at that and I'm saying, how the hell are you happy with this effort? And if that's the bar, if if that's the bar, then the bar is set very low. And that's a scary, scary thought. So um, I I think if this doesn't improve by Thanksgiving, I I think this team should start looking towards a new coach. This that would be an absolute amazing thing to me because we're about to do power rankings in a moment. And I I, I'm going to give the final word on this in a minute. But, Anthony, just from your vantage point, was the team in the first 40 minutes the same team you saw in the third period or was it? As soon as that Pelican no, went um, and you went, this team could be had. Yeah, it uh I think you know they I don't know if they were 
just sitting back on their laurels or they or they weren't ready for the puck to drop in the third. But, um, you know, the Islanders came out. They got the puck deep. And after they got got the puck deep, the Rangers just didn't play defense. I mean, why why was Adam Pellick all alone to even walk in and take that shot? There was no one there was no one up by the hash marks to cover him. Uh, and the Islanders just wanted it more down low. They worked harder down low to get the puck to get the puck back up high. Um, so yeah, the Rangers didn't really look like they were ready to play in the third period. Um, the Islanders got that goal early, smelt blood, um, and they capitalized on their chances. So um, you know, for for right now, it's two teams moving in the opposite direction at this point. And uh, look, guys, you know, I went through it last last November. I, I know how you know, a season can end up in shambles if you have a bad November. Happened to the Islanders. It sunk them. Um, you know, so the Rangers, you know, need, need to start getting some wins and good feelings in the locker room again and get some points um, because, like I said, the Metro the Metro is really tough. You know, New Jersey is looking like they could be the real deal. I mean, still early, but they're playing well. Philly's playing well. Obviously, the Islanders are going. You have the Hurricanes, who are the Hurricanes. Um so the Rangers are going to start need to get some points. You don't want to, you don't want to have that weight on your shoulders where you have an uphill battle the rest of you know to kind of catch up. So um, a lot of things to clean up there. Um, you know, it's just Truba's got to be better. Um, Shesterkin was godlike last year. You know, this year he's got a nine ten save percentage, which I know he knows he needs to be better. I'm sure he's he's you know not happy with this play, but that's that's a reason too that could be the disparity. Um, and then Chris Kreider. Chris Kreider was scoring goals at will last year. This, right now, this year, um, he looks like the Chris Kreider of old that drew a, a lot of ire from Ranger fans in the past. So, um, yeah, uh, it's it's a lot, a lot for them to to kind of work on. And uh, they do have enough skill, though, to certainly get out of it. But like I said, you don't want to dig yourself too much of a hole. So, um, and-, and as for the Islanders, just, you know, just keep just keep playing the way you're playing, preferably again, not falling behind, but um, you know, just keep doing what they're doing right now. And also just one last thing to add on to that. Expectations are a funny thing because if this was, say, for instance, last year in this situation, fans would be able to stomach it. But this is a team that made the Eastern Conference Finals. Even if the guys in the comment section, maybe you want to say it's a fluke, go right ahead, you could say it. But it's just even if you want to say it's a fluke expectations are you got to be a better than that. Now the expectations are raised. Now Gallant's job, even though he's only about a year and two months in, uh, your job's on the line. This team expects to win. So you can't hold on to that for too long. There are teams for, that are performing worse than them in the Metro. We're going to get to them in bar talk. So what do you guys think about last night's game? Throw it all down in the comments below. And uh, we're going to actually conclude with this one first. <laughs> Can someone please tell me why they fired Jacques Morton for Gord Murphy? It's still, I still question it to this day. That's a great question. That's a great question. I don't know. You had a really good defensive coach in Jacques Martin, and you fired him for Gord Murphy. And I will never, ever understand this. This team has made so many bad decisions over the last 10 years alone. I mean, after all, they went, they, they got rid of all Samuelson, who did a great job with them in 2014. And, even 2015, but then, you know, uh, the, the, the questions on the organization are all over the place. So let's move on now. Uh, we're going to actually go out of this and we're going to do some power rankings, which we haven't done all season. It's our first time. Here it is. 
Sorry, I got to get rid of the banner, everybody. It was still there. So, here we go. And if you haven't been able to guess it, we're not going to have the Rangers in this power rankings. So we got our top five of the power rankings, and we have Mr. John Volkowski, who's going to be announcing his top five teams, starting with number five. Well, for number five, I actually have the New Jersey Devils because they're just playing real good hockey right now. Um, like Anthony said before, they look like they could be the real deal. Who, who knows? Uh, I mean, it's still early, but the way that they're playing teams and they're playing some real good teams too, playing them well, um, they shut out the Avalanche, uh, even though the Avalanche were down, you know, Gabe Laniscog and Val Nachushkin in that game, they still shut them out. One, nothing. Um, they beat Calgary recently. They beat some good teams. And um, the way that they're playing is a very, very high pace up tempo in your face type game. A lot of speed. That that team that team may just be the fastest team in the league right now, and speed kills. Speed absolutely kills. So um, I have the Devils there. They still have to prove themselves, I think, but um, they're playing as good at hockey as any team right now. So um, you want me to just announce as I go along? Yeah, go ahead. You got All that right. in front of you. So number four, I have the Winnipeg Jets. Um, the Winnipeg Jets are surprisingly first place in their division. Um, they're getting production up and down their lineup. Um, shockingly, you would expect some of their guys to uh, maybe be further along in the uh, in the discussion in terms of points and whatnot. But in, in the division that they're in, you figured in the central, you know, St. Louis would be at the top. Nashville with the top uh, top six defense unit that they have. But um, Winnipeg is just getting it done. I mean, 8-3-1 right now, 17 points. That division's still airtight. So we'll see how long that actually lasts. But for them to get productions from guys like Josh Morrissey, who's a point per game right now, I mean, Josh Morrissey's never, ever been a point per game at any other time in the NHL after, I would say, maybe the first two games of the season. So Josh Morrissey having 12 points in 12 games is just nuts. Um, you know, Pierre-Luc Dubois is almost a point per game. Mark Shifley, just uh, just under a point per game. Same, same for Kyle Connor, funny enough, who doesn't really have the goals yet, but, you know, the points are there. So they're getting some production up and down. Cole Perfetti looks like he's starting to take the next step, and Adam Lowry is kind of producing over his head right now at uh, eight points in 12 games. So um, Winnipeg playing surprisingly well. Um, I, I, I'm very impressed with what they're doing. So I would say, uh, my number three team, I actually have the Dallas stars. So if you've watched Dallas, I know that everybody's going to point to the Ranger game and say, Oh, well, they weren't that impressive. If you've watched their other games, they've been very, very impressive. Um, they're a tight knit defensive unit. Jason Robertson is quickly emerging as one of the very, very best players in the entire NHL. He's got 19 points in 13 games. Rupe Hintz has 17 points in 13 games. Joe Pavelski does not seem to age. I remember when I said that before the start of the season that, you know, at 37, 38 years old, you usually see at the 37-year-old mark 
that a lot of players tend to drop off. Joe Pavelski isn't dropping off. Joe Pavelski's just about a point per game right now, and he's 38 going on 39. So he looks great. Um, we have revivals of Jamie Ben and Tyler Sagan. Tyler Sagan's got 10 points in 13 games. Jamie Ben has 11, surprisingly, in 13 games. And that's the scariest thing about the Dallas Stars is that now the two guys that have been underperforming for the last couple of years have started to come back. Uh, Miro Haskinen's almost a point per game. Mason Marchment has become one of the better middle six forwards in the NHL. Um, and Dallas, despite losing, uh, you know, John Klingberg, seems to have a great, great unit. And the scariest part about Dallas is that Dennis Gurianov only has three points this season. And Dennis Gurianov, for the last couple of years, has been a key contributor for them. Just imagine when he starts to get going. So that's going to be a scary, scary team. And that draft pick is probably going to be coming to the Rangers this year because it ain't going to be anywhere close to top 10 if Dallas keeps playing like this. But um, uh, the number two team that I have in the uh, in my power rankings is actually the Vegas Golden Knights. So this is a team, funny enough, that's first in the league in points. And nobody, and I mean nobody, is talking about it right now. They have 24 points to lead the league with a 12-2 and record. And they are getting production from guys – that you would not expect at, at this rate. So um, Riley Smith is almost a point per game. Chandler Stevenson is almost a point per game. Mark Stone, I mean, you, you expect him to be there, but he's almost a point per game. They have eight different players that are double digits in points, and I believe that's the most in the NHL, if I'm correct. So um, Nick Waugh has eight points as well. Phil Kessel only has five points, but – he could easily get going, and then this team looks even scarier. And then you have the rookie goaltender, Logan Thompson, who's got a 930 save percentage and a 212 goals against with seven wins and two losses and nine starts. I mean, even Aiden Hill's got a 925 save percentage and a 217 goals against. So their goaltending has been really good between the two goaltenders. So this team is playing really well, and Bruce Cassidy, if this keeps up, Bruce Cassidy's got to be the front runner for coach of the year for Jack Adams award right now with the way that this team is playing. So if this keeps up, you'll definitely see some uh, Vegas golden Knights up there for the awards. And then my number one team got to do it, but it's the Boston Bruins. The Bruins have just been great. And I, I, you want to talk about production. They're getting it literally from almost everybody. I mean, it's scary to, to think about what they're doing, Without Charlie McAvoy, they're eleven and two. Um, only Vegas has more points than them, just because they played more games. But I mean, you, you've got twenty points already from David Pasternak, and I think he's third in the league behind McDavid and Drysaitel. Hampus Lindholm is a point per game defenseman, and when did we ever think that Hampus Lindholm would be scoring about a point per game? Like, nobody thought that because he wasn't that type of defenseman in Anaheim. Patrice Bergeron is almost a point per game. And again, another one, Angels Wonder, 37 years old. You figured this would be the year where we'd start to show cracks. Nope. Jake DeBrusque, 10 points. And then you have Taylor Hall and David Krejci with nine. Krejci's missed a few games. I mean, they're, they're getting points from almost everybody. And then Charlie Coyle, Brad Marchand has seven points on only five games. So, I mean, Brad Marchand's back. 
I mean, Pavel Zaka already has seven points for them. I think his career high is like 20 points in a season or something like that for New Jersey. So, uh, no, he had 36 last year. Sorry, my fault. But Pavel Zaka is not really a point scorer. It, the point is. But he's he's got points. He looks like he could end up scoring a career high in points. So you're, you're getting a lot of production across the board from those teams. And, and then Olmark and Swayman have looked pretty good in net. I mean, more so Olmark. Swayman's numbers are a little deceptive. He's only had four starts or three starts, rather. So the 878 looks really bad, but he's actually played better in those games than you would think. And then Linus Olmark's got a 932 save percentage and a 205 goals against. He's got to be a Vezina front runner right now if we had to do rankings. So um, Boston, they just look like a well-oiled machine. But I'll tell you right now, Vegas, Vegas could take over that number one spot by the next time we do it if, if they keep playing the way that they're playing. And I would definitely, definitely keep an eye on Dallas because they could end up coming out of the West if everything stays the way it stays. First things first, uh, Dallas, not in my top five, but he very easily could have been. Uh, I actually moved them back out. and uh, But Pete DeBoer is definitely getting his, his fingerprints all over that team. And he's, he's doing a great job with them. The guy that said in the group that Vegas is the number one is Mr. LaRocca right over here. Here's our, our list right now. Anthony, why is Vegas your number one? Um, well, I mean, they're, they're nine and nine and one in the last 10, uh, Logan Thompson has a nine thirty save percentage, which Phil said, Jack Eichel is leading the way with, um, I think 15 points in 14 games. Um, you know, and everyone kind of, you know, wrote them off a little bit when Leonard was announced, he was out for the year. It was Logan Thompson as their goalie. Uh, and tr they traded for Aiden Hill. I'm like, I don't know about that goaltending and Mark, even <laughs> one of the first shows we did this season you're like where well, the bar talks was vegas is back i'm like come on guy shot it's like you know two games <laughs> um but yeah they they look legit you know william carlson's playing like the william carlson where he scored 40 goals in their inaugural year phil mentioned riley smith is off to a good start um so yeah they're, they're just firing all cylinders right now so for me it was a it was an easy choice to put them at number one yeah, and uh, in my case, just going back to that list once again, I got the Devils up at three. I do have the Jets and the Islanders on there. I pushed the, the Stars really three, four, uh, four, five, six. You could do in almost any way. I think all of us have the Devils up there. Look, I, I'm I'm surprised. I thought if Lindy Ruff got off to a rough start, he'd end up being unemployed, and Andrew Brunette, who is a Coach of the Year candidate, is would would take over. Uh, I agree with you, and, Phil. Right now, to me, uh, Bruce Cassidy is definitely the coach of the year at the moment, even even over Pete DeBoer, who I think might have a little bit less. But I mean, th that team is firing on all cylinders, and my numbers got to be up there too because you you yeah. you got to look at what Boston's doing. Like I said, without Charlie McAvoy, and then you know, not Brad Marchand's only played what five four games, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, five games. Sorry. I mean, he's missed time. Charlie McAvoy's missed time. David Krejci has missed a few games for them. And and they're still just winning and winning convincingly. And they're they're getting production from all over their lineup. So uh, Jim Montgomery is – and it's a feel-good story too, knowing what Jim Montgomery went through and how he had to leave, you know, hockey to kind of, you know, fix his demons and everything. So Jim Montgomery, definitely up there for Coach of the Year right now for me too. 
All right. Uh, just before we close on out, guys, looking at our list yet again, you guys all, I'll just put it up one more time for you. Philk, who's a team that's not on your top five that could be in your top five next month? Um, I, I would say if the Islanders continue this, they could definitely get in there. Anthony. Well, the Seattle Kraken, um, you know, my, my top five is very similar to simply what the top five teams are in the league right now. My only change was I bumped the, I put the jets at five and bumped the Kraken down, but the Kraken right now, point wise are the fifth best team in the national hockey league. So, um, you know, I don't want to sell them short. They're having a really good year. Burakovsky leads them in scoring. Um, so they're, they're playing really good hockey right now. Um, so I, I don't, like I said, um, don't want to leave them out to any Kraken fans, but, uh, they're playing good hockey and, uh, you know, the Pacific right now, you know, who knows could be up for grabs. So, you know, we'll see if they continue that play. Yeah. You took mine. I was going to say the Kraken too. I wanted to put the Kraken in there and I just couldn't. So I guess I, for me, I have to say the Dallas stars, because again, uh, I, I just think DeBoer is doing a great job with them. I'll praise Pete DeBoer in years one and two, three and four is usually where I stop praising him. And usually that's where his cracks show. We're starting to see the shelf life with some coaches, right? Ranger fans. Anyway, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully you're, hopefully I'm wrong about that one. I wouldn't mind being wrong about that. Anyway, what would be your top five teams? Throw it down in the comments below. And again, as folk was talking, don't forget to smash that like button and like share and subscribe to us and hit that bell. So that way we can get more people watching. We're going to do bar talk. And when then we have a brand new segment, we're going to introduce tonight just after this. Shot. This is the easiest cyber to answer. I'm going to say beer. I can't even begin to describe. I'm actually going to go crazy. I'm going to buy everybody around on this one. All right, everybody. Welcome back to Big Apple Hockey's Bar Talk, where we're gauging our confidence on NHL topics based on our choice of drink. Are you going to buy everybody around? You're so excited. Oh, oh God, dear God. I'll just take a shot. Not a, not that excited or just so, so I'll have a beer. So play along in the comments below. Of course, there are still big Apple hockey trucker hats that are available. Check them out in the link below. Phil, I'm going to start with you on this one. The New York Rangers need a veteran defenseman on that bottom pairing. I'm going to go with a round. Um, I, I think that they need a veteran and they need a good veteran here. Um, <clears throat> I, I whether they move Jacob Truba down there and they get a veteran for the for the second pairing, I think that would be optimal because I, I just don't think Jacob Truba is worth a top four roster uh, spot on defense right now. Um, but they definitely need a veteran to to come in and change things up. So yeah, I'm, I'm buying around. Anthony, I'm going round two. Um, I said in the off season for a team that had cup aspirations. You know, having two young, inexperienced players on your bottom pair, um, you know, you need that veteran leadership for, for young guys and, you know, give them a break and whatnot. Um, so, yeah, I, I think they could definitely use a veteran D in the bottom pair. Um, honestly, if if they had cap space, I would say, you know, you can claim Mike Riley off waivers because, you know, he's a veteran, can skate well, you know, bring some experience. But, you know, he makes $3 million a year, so I, I don't see how the Rangers would make that work. But, um I think a veteran, a veteran D, I think would go a long way for him. I'm going to buy everybody around on this one as well, because uh, they, the guy they might need on the bottom pairing is Jacob Truba. Just demote him. 
get him out of there. I mean, I'd, I'll give more responsibility to Braden Scheider and see if he can take it. But number one is this, this team needs a shot in the arm. I was thinking to myself, by the way, that injury changed the Rangers for about a decade because Mark Stahl and Dan Girardi were there with their pairing for, uh, I think about almost two years. And then because of Stahl's concussion it ended up being Girardi and McDonough. And then that left Stahl to go with say Anton Strollman in 2012. And then on to Dan Boyle later on the, um, this could be a time where you switch things up because of Ryan Lingren injury, although now Phil's saying he's back. But it gives you a reason to switch guys around. Move around Andre Miller. Move around Jacob Truba. Because whatever you're doing, it's not working right now. They're <laughs> far cry from what they were in March. Far cry. All right. I actually didn't put a number on this one, guys. But, Anthony, as I said in the opening, the New York Islanders had one third-period comeback last season. They've already had three this year. The New York Islanders will continue their comeback ways. And let's say they get seven uh, third period comebacks this season. I mean, it it's hard to put an exact number on, you know, how many games they'll come back. And again, I said, you know, I, I don't want to, you don't want to make a habit of it, but um, you know, it's nice to know that you can do it and, you know, have that belief and Hey guys, you know, um, you know, going into the third period when we're down and look at one another and say, you know, we've done this before, we could do this. Um, you know, having that belief goes a long way and confidence. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, they, they could do it. They clearly showed it. Um, you know, so like I said, I don't want to put exact number on it. Like, oh, they're going to do it five yeah, Maybe that was my mistake, I, putting a number on it. I just, yeah, like, uh, not a, that's why I'm making the face I'm making because it's kind of a weird – I don't know, the way it's presented yeah. is kind of weird. <laughs> All um, right, all right. I thought I thought the number was going to be critical to it, but so my mistake, guys. But the Islanders will continue their comeback ways. Right. I mean, um, yeah. I mean, like I said, they 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 can do it, but I don't know how to answer it. Um, but uh, it's just, all I'll say is it's not, it's nice it's nice to know that you know and feel that they're never out of a game. All right, so we'll buy around on that one. I right, I, I guess I'm going to say beer because I, I mean I don't I don't really. I don't know. It seems like they can come back, but at the same time, I don't know if you want to be in that position. Like that's not something you're aiming for. And eventually I think the, the modus operandi from, from Lane Lambert would be to get ahead in these games as opposed to being behind. So um, I don't, I don't know how much of a chance they're going to have to have more of those. I, I got I'll have to agree with you then just beer on it. So, and we'll move on from uh, my poor wording on that question. So the rest of them will actually go up. You know, you can talk about the New York Rangers being a team that wears blue that is struggling, but St. Louis Blues are three and eight this season. St. Louis Blues need a change in coach. I felt, sorry. You know what? Like, I want to say round because <laughs> I, I know – that they that it technically feels like they need it, but at the same time, after hearing Doug Armstrong's comments about how you know they're not giving up on Barube, and I, I think we talked about this previously. I don't know if it was on here or if it, or if it was when I went to the game with you, but uh, you know Armstrong 
didn't give up on Barubi because Barubi didn't give up on that team in 2019. And they were last place in the NHL on, on January 1st, 2019. The only team ever in NHL history to come back from being dead last in the NHL to win the Stanley Cup in the same season. So um, as much as I want to say round, I, I, I'm going to have to say beer here. But there are also a lot of guys on this team that are not really pulling their own weight. Like Pavel Buchnevich has only played six of the uh, 11 games, and he's got two points. Like that's not good enough for Pavel Buchnevich. Um, I need more than four goals from Vladimir Tarasenko. Robert Thomas, who had, what, 70 points last year, only has seven. Jordan Cairo, who is, what, a point per game last year, has four points, three goals in 11 games. Uh, I mean, I, I think they do really need a coach, but whether it's actually going to happen or not is another story. The only reason why they would even think about, I think, replacing Brube is they uh, you can't trade 25, so you have to fire one. However, what this team needs, this team needs to figure out what they're doing and move on. If you're going to have to deal Tarasenko, maybe it's a blessing. You like this, go deal him now. Try to see if you could. But some teams that would be in contention to get them probably don't have the cap room. Um, I'm actually going to go shot on this. And the reason why is I, I think Barube isn't, uh, I, I, I don't think he, I don't think he lost the room. I think he still has the room. So if that's the case, then it's on the players. Figure it out, boys. That's, that's what the Doug Armstrong comment was. Anthony. I'm going to go shot. I, I think Barube is a fine coach. I just think when it comes down to it, look at their goaltending. Bennington and Grice both have sub nine, nine hundred save percentages. Yeah. Uh, to be exact, cool. Bennington's at 886 with a 337 goals against average. Not to mention the guy's a punk and a head case. Um, and so he bumped Sorokin when that, you know, in between periods. Uh, that was becoming ridiculous. an old shtick. Um, and again, you know, Grice is 899 save percentage. His goals against average is above three. They're just not getting the goaltending. And, you know, Phil said some of the players, Jordan Cairo only has four points. He signed that big extension. He needs to be better. Um, so I don't think necessarily think it's Barubi. I, I just think they're not getting performance by certain players. You, you know, when I, when I think of St. Louis's goaltending, I always go back to that conversation between Kevin McAllister and Buzz in Home Alone, where it, go, where it goes, uh, Buzz, your girlfriend, woof. St. Louis, your goaltending, yeah. woof. <laughs> and, and you know what? There's there's definitely people out there that, that say the stupid lines of, well, he's got a cup. What does Henry Glunquist have? Shut up. The, yeah, Henry Glunquist was yeah. never this bad in his career. And and never and never needs a, a result to trying to fight the other team in order to get anywhere. I always love that one. Guys, going up going to upstate New York right now because gotta talk about a player who has really come into his own over the last year and, and definitely this year too. Tage Thompson, eight goals, eight assists. He was should have been in the in the conversation for us last week, but we had so much to talk about. Tage Thompson is an all-star. Phil, I'll start with you because I see you're nodding. You want to get at this. Um, I think I would trade half the Rangers team for him right now. <laughs> like, uh, this is undoubtedly around. Like, this is – this might be one of the biggest layups in the history of layups, Mark. But, um, <laughs> yeah, how do you not take a six foot seven, 230-pound, 40-pound – power forward center who skates like a guy half his size that can shoot the lights out and just is producing offense almost by himself. Like who, 
who else is on that team? Let's let's take a look at that roster. Who else is on that team? Well, because, Rasmus Dalin is enjoying right. his best season, I think, so far. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But, I mean, forwards-wise, who else do they have? Because there, there's no one else, really, that you can think of. I mean, Alex Tuck has 11 points in 13, in 13 games. Nice, but that I, I really doubt that's sustainable. Jeff Skinner has three goals. Noted goal scorer Jeff Skinner has three goals and 11 points. Victor Olofsson actually has nine goals, which is pretty impressive in 13 games, but he only has 10 points. And then everybody else is really in, in, in double uh, single digits in points. They don't have a lot of help. Casey Middlestat, I mean, Dylan Cousins looks nice right now, but he's still kind of developing. J.J. Paterka looks, you know, good for, I, I mean, technically I believe he is, still is a rookie. Yeah, he's a rookie. So, um, but they don't have a lot. And Tage Thompson is really kind of supermanning it up there. Yeah. Anthony? Round. He's, you know, he's a beast. 38 <laughs> goals last year. Um, he's got the size. He's got the strength. Um, yeah, this this is a guy that uh, you know maybe took a little bit longer to develop, but you know due, due to his size and everything, I think those type of guys do take a little longer. But yeah, man, I think every every general manager in National Hockey League would, would like him on their hockey team, uh, or you know, round for sure. Uh, it's a round for me too. And yes, this segment is just to make us gush about Tage Thompson for a minute because. Watching him play right now, I mean, his one-timer on the power play against Pittsburgh last week, that was like, it almost screams like he's just saying, get in the effing net whenever he's shooting the puck. One-timer, wrist shot, everything. It's like, that guy's just scoring on everything. And he's he's good defensively, too. I mean, although he's a minus one right now, but still, uh, he's... This is a, a rare win-win trade because, yeah, uh, Buffalo, Buffalo's got a franchise center. But Arguably. Every cup from a Conn Smythe winner out of it. Exactly, Phil. Stanley Cup and a Conn Smythe winner out of the other side. Because speaking of the team that I was just citing one of his goals against, the Pittsburgh Penguins, who are 4-6-2, and two, and the Washington Capitals, 6-6-2. Six, six, and two. They're two teams that are definitely playing worse than the New York Rangers right now. Hey, guys, Pittsburgh Penguins are in a lot more trouble than the Washington Capitals. And Anthony, start up. Mm. Uh, I'm going to go beer just because the fact that the Penguins have lost, what, six, seven in a row. Um, so for me, that, you know, that gives them the nod. But I mean, this, we, we've talked about this before. We've been talking about the Penguins and the Capitals, one of them falling off in the Metro. Um, you know, it's, so we've been discussing it for some time now. Um, seems like this, maybe this could be the year. It's still early, but um, yeah, the Penguins just, they leave a lot to be desired. Um, you know, Crosby, Malkin, still really, really good hockey players, but you know, they're getting older. Um, Jake Gensel is obviously a very good player, you know, but Brian Russ is okay. But then, I mean, Zucker, I mean, he's, eh. I mean, after that, like I said, there's a lot to be desired. Tristan Jari, Casey DeSmith, again, really not a winning combination in goal. And then their defense, I mean, Chris Letang, they re-signed him, they gave him that money. I mean, he's still good, but he's not nearly the player that he was. Brian Dumoulin looks meh. Um, you know, Jeff Petrie kind of looks washed. So I don't – not much to get excited about the team. And where are their, where are their top high-end prospects? Um, they really they really aren't there. Um, you know, this, this could be the year for them where they – you know, like I said, they finally fall off. At least on the Capitals, on the other hand um, – 
still a little bit, a little bit more there. They're playing a little better. Um, you know, I, I like Kemper a lot better than I do Jerry. Obviously, Alex Ovechkin still playing at a pretty high level. Um, you know, and they got Kuznetsov. I just overall I like their forward group a little better than Pitts than Pittsburgh. Uh, but it, it it is close. But I'm going to say the Penguins are in more trouble. Phil. I'm going to say beer. Um, I, I, Anthony kind of took a lot of what I probably was going to say in regard to this, but um, I'm not really sold on Washington either. I mean, their their center depth is Kuznetsov and, and Dylan Strom. I, I mean, I, I'm not really a, a big fan of their center depth. Um, I, I know that Dylan Strom is playing well. I mean, he had a, a big night um, against Edmonton uh, last night. So um, he, he he had, I think, what, three points in that game. So, I mean, if you take those away, then you're looking at nine points in 13 games or so. I mean, because Netzov has 11 in 13 games. He has only two goals. Um, I, I just I, – I think that Pittsburgh's troubles um, – come a lot from their goaltending like anthony said it's it's really jari is not great and then you have to worry about you know the age of their core on top of that i think washington might have a little more depth support than pittsburgh but i I do like pittsburgh's top four defense better than washington's and washington is without um john carlson right now so uh, it's really close for me but um Maybe this is the year where Pittsburgh finally, you know, finally falls off. But uh, at the same time, you know, how co- how much of a coincidence is it in that the year that Bedard is available, that Pittsburgh starts to finally fall off? Go figure. <laughs> I, I don't think it matters. I think they finally have uh, – they, they don't have a first-round draft pick anyway. Oh, that's uh, right. I'll, they don't. I'm going to double-check that in a second or you could get – I don't think they know. I don't think they do, actually. Yeah. So, uh, but I'm I'm only going beer, and the only reason why is, ah, damn it, Sidney Crosby is a great player, and I actually give credit to Mike Sullivan, who's a great coach. He might end up taking the fall oh, on they it. They have a first rounder. They do have a first rounder. Awesome. Yeah. You know they're winning the lottery, just like Edmonton always does. Depends yeah. if the if the Penguins end up getting Taylor Hall. You know they got the number one overall pick. So, um, that's because Taylor Hall, I think, is five times anyway, but. I mean, both teams are in a lot of trouble right now. They're in a lot of trouble, and they're they're not looking very good. At least the Capitals are at five hundred, as I put on the record before. That's about it. Uh, and they're probably the only teams in the division, other than Columbus, I could say they're playing worse than the Rangers. It's hard to say about the Columbus because they they waxed the floor with the Rangers when they came into Madison Square Garden a couple weeks ago. Terrible, putrid effort. Yeah, that was awful. Well. Anthony, you were talking about your team that can make it back into the power rankings, the Seattle Kraken, 8-4-2. and two. Wow, I still can't believe Dave Haxtell has got them playing this well right now. But, and with two wins over the Pittsburgh Penguins, by the way. Remember them? Yeah. Uh, Thanks, Seattle. Uh, Seattle Kraken are a playoff team. I'm going to start it, guys. I'm going to go beer. I think, actually, they could do it. I think they could do it. I think especially since Vancouver can't get out of their own way, see Bull Horvat dropping the puck and or letting it go on a shootout attempt. That was great. Um, 
I, I if there are there are teams in the West that don't have their their house in order, it looks like the Kraken might have the depth in order to do it, and they'll, they'll be their second year. That's a feel good story, Phil. Uh, I'm gonna say shot. Um, it's a great start. It's a nice feel good story, especially for a fan base that's been surprisingly very strong in terms of attendance so far in Seattle. I mean, they have some good young pieces. I think they're a few years away though. Matty Beneers has looked great ever since his NHL debut. Um, he's got nine points in 14 games. Uh, Jared McCann is not scoring the way he did last year, but he's, he's still productive. Yanni Gord has eight points. I mean, they've, they're getting some production from the guys. Andre Burkowski is having a career year. Uh, I think he cools down a little bit, though, just because I don't think they have the facilitators to keep someone at that skill level. But um, the thing is, is that you have to look at what's going on around the league and especially in that division. So in that division, you have Vegas, who leads the league in points right now. You have L.A. right behind them, who I think is probably a better team. They probably have the firepower that Seattle doesn't have. Then you have Edmonton that has McDavid and Drysaddle, and they're always going to be there with the two of them. And then Calgary, who I think is nowhere playing, playing nowhere near their best hockey. They're going to get their house in order very soon, and they're going to be a scary team. So uh, I, I think they're probably the fifth best team in their division when you take away the streak that they're on. So um, I'm saying shot, especially with that central division being so good. Anthony. I'm going to go beer um, only because you know, even if Calgary and Edmonton kind of, you know, bumped them out of the top three, if you look at the West right now, it's really not that good. So St. Louis, San Jose, Anaheim, Vancouver, um, you know, even though Chicago and, and Arizona are the first two teams out of a playoff spot right now, respectively, they're bad hockey teams. So that leave, that leaves Minnesota and Nashville are teams that could obviously compete with the Kraken for a potential wild card if the Kraken fall out of the top three. I mean, that's really not that much competition because I those rest of the teams I named before, I think they're all bad teams and aren't really going to come near the playoffs. So um, I think they I think they do have a shot. Um, even L.A., I mean, they're better than them right now. It's not like it's crazy to say L.A.'s a lock to be better than them either. Um, L.A.'s a good team, but – um, they're not a powerhouse. So I, I think the Kraken have a decent shot just because of, in general right now, how many weak teams there are in the West. All right. Now, our last topic of the day, guys, we got a, a, probably a very confusing story. The Boston Bruins signed former first-round Arizona pick Mitchell Miller, and then they cut ties with them two days later. Boston Bruins did the right thing in the Mitchell Marner situation. Mitchell Miller. Mitchell Miller, sorry. Mitchell Miller. I'm thinking thinking Mitch Marner. Shut up. I have the right thing on the screen. That's all I need to say. So, anyway, sorry for the people on audio listening to this. But uh, the Mitchell Miller situation. Uh, Phil, start us off. Yeah, um, I'm going to say round. I mean, I'll I'll set this uh, I'll set the tone by saying that I'm a firm believer in second chances, especially for uh, you know someone who did something at 14 years old. But when you go further and you dive deep uh, dive deeper into it, I mean, what he did was like depraved behavior. It's not normal. It's behavior that would trigger like some sort of red flag for psychiatric help 
you know, the sexual abuse and hate crime all in one. And uh, it continued. He showed no signs of actual remorse. You know, up for a while, you know, they were saying that he, uh, you know, he he tried to form a friendship with uh, with Isaiah uh, Myers Crothers, um, the victim. But he just nothing that I've seen from Mitchell Miller has shown any type of genuine remorse or or any type of just effort to, to better himself as a person. He comes off disingenuous in every possible way. Um, and then even in the statement released by the victim, you know, yesterday, um, or actually today, I should say was, uh, he came around or he said that, um, you know, Miller was basically mocking him while trying to quote unquote, apologize to him. So Mitchell Miller hasn't really learned anything. Um, he really, it, it seems like he's just apologizing because it's affecting his NHL career at one point, I would have been okay with him being suspended for three years and having to go through rigorous uh, counseling, therapy, anti-bullying uh, programs, and other community service work to stop bullying. But after reading the statement that was just released today, it just reaffirmed everything that kind of loomed in my head about him, that he was just a – he's just an unremorseful and – just a, a, a despicable punk really i mean again like kids can kids can grow up and learn but i i, I don't see anything that says that this kid's gonna learn anything and you know what have a nice life bozo anthony this is a, a very you know polarizing topic um and honestly, I, the Bruins are actually getting killed on social media. A lot of it saying that Neely and the organization handled this all wrong from, from, from signing him and then to just everything, how they handled it. They're getting absolutely killed. So um, say they did the right thing. I mean, I think a lot of people would say shocked. But, um, look, I mean, it's comments like these. You can could, you could see there's there's two different trains of, of thoughts on, on this, um, you know, for me, at first, I kind of thought to myself, all right, well, you know, cancel culture. I was saying it's a ridiculous notion to say something that someone did when they were 14, they should be, you know, blacklisted. For me, there's really two offenses that like murder or rape. I'm like, okay, he didn't do any of those. Like, so to say he should never be able to play in the NHL again seems a little harsh. Then you look at what he did. You know, he, he picked on a uh, he picked on bullied on a a kid who is developmentally disabled, um, you know, used racial slurs, called him the N-word and, you know, brownie. And uh, so to target someone like that, um, sure, you have to be, you know, I hate to say a despicable person because at 14, it's, it's you know, you don't really want to be as jaded to go as far as saying someone 14 could be a despicable person. But that's kind of what that's kind of what it is. Um, you know, and I get it in middle school, everyone bullies somebody. And it's just really commonplace. Unfortunately, it happens. It's not like he just bullied someone who, you know, and I use this term loosely. I don't like normal. No, it's I, not like he just picked on a, yeah. a a kid and, you know, he, he targeted someone who who had issues, which, again, is is really, really messed up. Um, but like Phil said, he hasn't really shown that much remorse. It seems like he only apologized for the benefit of his career. Um 
But where I'm going with all this, I put a lot of this on his parents. From what I understand, his parents, you know, thought he could do no wrong and, you know, made kind of made light of the situation. Uh, and at that young age, they could have really gone a long way and, and really if they handled it differently. I mean, for me, if I would have done that stuff, I mean, my parents would have would have beat my ass. I wouldn't have seen the light of day for for the longest time. And it, it seems like his parents didn't do that almost like they condoned it and just brushed it off and said oh no it's just it's just normal bullying um i'm sorry but putting a lollipop in a urinal and making someone lick it uh, is not normal bullying um you know that that goes that goes a little beyond it uh so it's like i said it's it's really really messed up what he did um however i don't agree with the bruins cutting him it seems like they just did it because of the backlash they got um, you know, they should have done it if they were going to cut him, cut him because you realize you realize that you did the wrong thing, not because you were kind of forced into it. And they came out with their statement and said whatever, but I guarantee you they only did it because, again, they got so much backlash, not that they necessarily believed it. Um, so yeah, they, they handled it from wrong from start to finish. Um, you know, so wrap that up to wrap it up, at least on my end. Um, I do think that. He should be able to have a career at some point. Maybe he needs to uh, first enroll in community outreach and really want to do it and really mean it. Um, and then, you know, have to, you know, earn his right to play again. I don't think that he should be banned forever for what he did, though. As despicable as it was, again, he didn't kill somebody. He didn't do anything like that. And I'm not trying to minimize what he did. You get what I'm trying to say though I, I don't know if it's worthy of saying he should never play in the nhl again for something they did it was 14 uh under misguided you know really parents so i feel bad for i feel bad for the victim something he should have never had to gone through um and miller should suffer some consequences i don't know if it should come at the cost of his career though it's a shot for me uh first we're gonna handle the way just talking about the kid look my first reaction was, again, we talked about this earlier. Uh, you, you're punishing somebody for what they did in the eighth grade. Like, you got to be kidding me. That's my first reaction. Then Phil elaborated, elaborated the rest of it for me, and then I did some of my own research on it. Okay. Now, Arizona, when you're drafting somebody, you're getting them into your organization, they, they test you from head to toe, physically, mentally, everything. Stuff like this should have been coming up in interviews. And you're investigated. There's they they don't leave any stone uncovered. So when asked about this, the Arizona was able to just kind of look the other way and draft them, or maybe even thought, all right, well maybe with given some time, maybe uh, all wounds can heal. I mean, we're we're we always in a situation like this. Like uh, remember Logan Mayu last year, uh, that the Canadians just uh, mm-hmm. Bergevin just jumped out and went, all right, let me go get him. He's got some issues he's got to deal with as well. But it's going with this. This guy doesn't feel any remorse. No, sorry. Can't can't play until at least you know what you did was wrong. Then that's it. Now the yeah. Bruins are the second team. Now you you could be the you could be the recovery team. There's always a great story with that. There's the this the person that gets a second chance, goes to another team, he he becomes a, a good citizen. Maybe they got a good enough locker room. That's maybe where the Bruins were thinking about it. But they really needed to uncover every stone all over again. You needed to go throughout all this. And as Philk has alluded to, nobody's even said that he's a he hasn't apologized to the victim at all. He he he, well, no, he did in, in, in a court uh, mandate. 
So it, and and that's the only that was the only reason why that ever happened because he was mandated to do so by the court. Um, he actually had his attorney um, come out yesterday and basically, you know, kind of break everything down. He was on the Cam and Strick podcast. And, you know, he was talking about how, you know, um, Miller has uh, reached out to Isaiah and made attempts to to kind of try to build a friendship with him, which Isaiah debunked in today's statement. Um, and then you have that podcast that I'm not going to name because I, I think uh-huh. a lot of them are garbage on there. Basically went around today and one of their guys who cheated on his pregnant wife turned around and uh, said, oh, well, uh, why is this mother so active in uh, in this pursuit and uh, this uh, in this issue? Well, you know what? And then you have people like that spreading that type of garbage. And, and that's pathetic because this kid is basically now traumatized for the rest of his life because somebody who was completely racially insensitive and, and just a disgusting, deplorable kid who was probably raised the wrong way, turned around and mm-hmm. made this kid's life complete hell. Um, so now this kid's probably going to be in therapy for the rest of his life. And, um, you know, and, and this is actually a really good post here. I mean, it speaks volumes when, you know, you got guys like Patrice Bergeron and, and Nick Foligno and even Brad Marchand won't even go to bat for this kid. And they're just, they're not saying anything. Um, I mean, they, they the only reason why I said round was because the end is the right thing. The end was the right thing to do. Yeah. They handled this thing so wrong. And then the, the, the pointing the back and forth between the NHL and the Bruins and everybody, you know, trying to save face and, and deflect blame of one another is just another reason why the NHL hockey is the best sport with the worst. And I continue to say it because it's true. It just, at this point, you know, and this is another thing. Victim has to get HIV and, you know, and, and, you know, STD testing because, you know, of, of that incident. And, and, and then the, the attorney said that this wasn't the, you know, Isaiah wasn't the only target and he wasn't their first target of the bullying that occurred by Mitchell Miller and his friends. Like you really have to have some sort of twisted evil mind to go and do that at 14 years old. Like this is, we're not talking about a running run of the mill bullying thing. Like Anthony, you know, um, alluded to before. We're not even talking about a run of the mill hazing incident. Who the hell does this type of crap? And that's, you know, you gotta be sick to do this type of shit. So, um, yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't get how you get that mindset and you're right. It, it, Anthony, and as a parent, you know, you got to be sitting there thinking to yourself, like, how do you let your kid learn that type of crap and and go and, and, and do it? Like, where are they getting this from? And because because if it's the parents, then they need to be held accountable. Like I said, if, you know, if, if, I ever did any, if I ever did anything like that, my parents would have beat my ass and they would have dragged me by my ear and I would have been forced to yeah. go to that kid's house, knock on the door and <clears throat> apologize. Apologize. The fact that his parents didn't seem to, you know, guide him in the right way. They really, you know, they really dropped. They really dropped the ball. Um, so, uh, like I said, it's 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 you know it's unfortunate for everybody involved. It's fortunate for for the victim. Um, you know, obviously he you know he suffered the most, and 
it's it's I, I I feel really bad. And essentially, Miller's parents, you know, essentially cost him his career. I don't want to take onus off of him because naturally, you know, he's the one that fit, you know physically did these acts. But at the same time, you know, no one does that under you know good parental guidance. Um, and they, I think they did him a disservice. But I'll say one last thing in regard to it. At at fourteen years old, you don't know the weight of your actions, the consequences that come from your actions. You don't fully understand something like that at fourteen years old. You don't understand the trauma that you can cause somebody by doing something like this. And you know, to to yeah, I'm with you here on this, Gregory. I'm, I'm definitely, yeah, I'm definitely with you on that. Man, <laughs> yeah. my, mother, my mother, my mother backhanded me for, for far less than that. So, um, but you don't understand the consequences at that age as a teenager, but as you get older, you, you tend to learn these things and what type of lasting effects that they can have on people. And for him to continue this afterwards, and to not apologize until he was what nineteen years old, mm-hmm. uh, it means to me that just shows a complete lack of self awareness, willingness to learn, a willingness to understand, and any type of genuine remorse. So for me, you know what? At first, I was on the fence about it because again, people can change, people can grow up, but. I haven't seen anything and I don't think there's going to be anything from it. So, and I kind of agree with you on that one, Phil, because unfortunately there are people that I've, I've known that I, with, without using the word sociopath, well, I just used it. There it is. They're basically sociopaths. Is this kid one of them? I don't know. We'll figure that one out because growing up, I did have a classmate, a classmate literally murder another classmate in my high school. So it's, it's one of those things that, it's how far gone is the kid and can he get counseling? Maybe he should be more worried about his life than his hockey career. That's the truth. Go out, go out and just go, go, go find some therapy yourself and try to be a better person. And then once you do that, then you can, you, you can go and interview with a team and you start from the bottom and work your way up. That's the way stuff like this happens. And it's just, it's, it's something that, I, why were the Bruins even involved in signing him? I, I still don't get that one. Because well, he was because he was USHL Player of the Year. He was the best defenseman. If he, he was a bad player, sadly, it's called like it is. No one would sign him. Sign no him because he's a good hockey player. Yeah, yeah he, but this would have been a canceled player. I mean, I, and I don't like to use the term canceled, just because I'm not trying to imply that this is some you know cancel culture thing. Yeah. That what he did was completely wrong. But he would have been canceled, and it, it just it, nobody would have given a crap about him if, if not for his talent. And and by the way, we are going to have some fun in about five seconds, so we're we're going to get off this. It's just again, it's it's they they went up. They can't. I know what you're saying about cancel culture, and I'm trying to articulate this very well. But it's also like. You got to think of the public reaction, especially in a post-Michael Vick world. Because ever since the Michael Vick uh, returned to the Eagles, you have to think about stuff like that. And public perception, they're your shareholders for a reason. And, you, you know, just 
They got to be smarter. They, you got to be smarter about taking on somebody. And if, let's say when he really is reformed and wants to change, that's a different story. So that concludes the bar talk for us, guys. We promise, like I said just now, there is going to be a lot more fun than we're going to be having in about five seconds because we are introducing a brand new segment today. Uh, it's one that's gonna one's gonna be a little bit interesting, and I think it's gonna be even better the the more we're we're doing this. And it's called "Who Says No." Uh, it's a no for me, dog. Mm, no, no, mm, no, no. All right. So for who says no, we're gonna put on our GM hats, and we're gonna make some hypothetical trades, and we're gonna tell you which team says yes which team would say no or even maybe both teams would say yes or both teams say no anthony do you want to actually do this or do you want to um do you want me to ask it for everyone uh it doesn't matter whatever all right i'll i'll also host it this was anthony's idea he's he's done this to us millions of times in our group chat all right so the first hypothetical one that anthony's thrown out here for us montreal acquires alexei lafreniere and Braden schneider from the Rangers for Cole Caulfield and Caden Gooley. Filk, who says no? I think both teams actually say no in this one. Um, uh, the Rangers are not going to give up on Alexi Lafreniere. They're not going to give up on a first overall pick. That would be a bad idea. Cole Caulfield, probably best player in the trade right now, but um, Alexi Lafreniere can change that and very soon. Um, Braden Schneider for Caden Gooley kind of meh right now wash maybe slight advantage of schneider even though he hasn't been playing well these last few games but um i I think the rangers definitely say no um but i do believe that both teams would probably say no okay anthony uh so i i think i think right now the canadians view Cole caulfield as one of the best young snipers in the league already um you know they, they don't call goal call field for no reason um he had 20 what three goals in his first year in the league uh he's got eight this year um he's got i mean when you're talking just regular snapshot wrist shot uh he's probably got one of the best releases and shots i've seen since you know alexander Simmons release that he's had uh he could really shoot the puck he's shifty um, and as much as they would love a, a French Canadian Alexis Lafreniere, uh, I think they view Cole Caulfield and, and Nick Suzuki as their future core players that um, they really wouldn't trade for really anybody in the league. I mean, Lafreniere is still young. He could certainly turn it around right now. Um, but I think right now the Canadians say no just because of how good Cole Caulfield has been for them. I'm actually going to go with both teams would say no on this one, only because I think it's just the experience factor. Lafreniere and Caulfield will uh, Caulfield will probably wash each other out because they're both basically the same amount of time. They're both 2020 is when they first came in. Um, Kane and Gooley, though, I think that if you reset the clock on Steiner, because I think Gooley's only been playing this year, right, guys? He didn't, he yes. didn't play much last year. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the only reason why. I mean, everything about Kane and Gooley has been great. From what I've heard about yeah, him, he's been potential captain material. They were talking about he was the captain of Team Canada last year for the World Juniors. It's you know he could be a hell of a player. I think both teams are happy with where they are right now. So a pending free agent the next offseason and probably a guy that's going to get moved at the trade deadline. Boston oh, yeah. acquires Bo Horvat from the Canucks 
for Fabian Leisel and Jacob Zaboral. Zaboral. Thank you. Damn Zaboral. it. Uh, anyway, but I put the emphasis on the wrong syllable. Anthony, who says no? Um, see, I think Bo Horvat would fit the Bruins like a glove right now. You know, Krejci's getting older, Bergeron's getting older, um, but Horvat would be a great setting for him. I mean, he's got 12 goals already on the year. Um, this is a guy that's had what 31 last year. Um, he plays in all situations. He could be a 50, 60 point forward. It actually looks this year he might have a career year. Um, I don't know if he's going to resign in Vancouver, and I think a lot of teams would love to have him. You know, Hor- the Bruins acquire Horvat. Um, they're going to be even more of a dangerous team. Um, he'd be one of their probably their best centers. Uh, however, you know, the Bru- he is a pending UFA. The Bruins farm system is actually really weak. I think recently they're ranked as one of the lowest. Fabian Lysel, the first round pick as one of their really only bright spots in their organization. Um, and I think they're high on him. Uh, so as much as they would want Horvat, uh, I think the Bruins would say no, just because he's a pending UFA. And I don't know if they'd want to give up the very little they have in their system for him. So, so I'll, I'll say, I'll say, yeah, the, the, the Bruins, they know. It sounded like you were saying the Bruins. I didn't have a graphic for this yet. So I gotta, I gotta get that up. Um, uh, I, 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 I think Vancouver might end up wanting a little more. I, I don't know. I don't know if Zaboral's really much of a, of a piece anymore. Like a few years ago, I thought he would be a good piece. Uh, the first in Lysel looks really good. Um, but I, I think they might want another piece. So I think Vancouver would say no. But I'm not sure if Boston can really afford to even make this deal. Like Anthony said, they're just there's just not enough prospect depth in the Bruins system for them to go and do this. And and they just got rid of Jack Studnika, funny enough, to Vancouver. You know, mm-hmm. they just made a trade with these two teams. So I mean, that might be something to look at. Um, but you know what? I I don't know if that ends up uh, being the case. So I, I'm going to say that. Uh, Vancouver is probably going to want more, and I think they might be able to get more, especially if Horvat's available. That that becomes a bidding war. Mm-hmm. I'm actually going to go with that. Boston says no. I think that price tag is going to be a little too high for them. Now, if it's right now, that's probably what they'd have to pay. If it's later on in the season, you might be able to get away with the 2023 first and um, Zaboral. That's about it, and you can stay away from Lysel, but. We'll, we'll see about that one. Let's go back to Nassau County. The New York Islanders hypothetically acquire Patrick Kane from the Blackhawks for a 2023 first round pick, a 2024 second, Anthony Bovillier and Atu Ratu. Philk, what are your thoughts on this one? Because this is one that I, I'll give my thoughts on this in a second, but I, I looked at this and went, wait a minute. Go ahead. Quantity and not enough quality. Um, I, I like Ratu. Um, I, I don't really care much for Bavillier. I, I think he kind of know what he is. I don't, I don't know if that really helps Chicago going forward. And uh, I mean, if if I'm correct, he's in the last year of his deal, and he he's gonna be have to be paid even more. Um, a first for them would be a late first, and it's probably gonna be the case for any team that deals for Kane because it's going to be contenders that are going to uh, 
that are going to try to deal for him. But um, I, I think if anything, when you're when you're looking at a, a trade like this, there's going to have to be more quality. And, you know, it's funny because Anthony ended up saying that about a Capo Caco mock trade uh, to Chicago that involved Patrick Kane. So um, I, I just think there's going to have to be more there. Um, no, Bo- sorry, Bovillier has another year left after his uh, after this year at four point one five. Um, he's really not playing all that well right now either. And I, I just don't think he gives you much second round pick. All right. First round pick. Okay. But really it's, it's the first, the second and Ratu because I, I don't think Bovillier has nearly the value that I under fans think. So the Blackhawks say no, Blackhawks don't do this. And I think they could definitely get a better deal than that. If, cause they're going to create a bidding war for Kane. I think, I just think that there's going to be some teams and it depends on his list, you know, who, what, who he'll wave for. Cause he has that, uh, he has that no movement clause, but I definitely don't think this would be the best offer that they could get. Anthony. Um, I actually think I tend to think that both would say, no, I don't think Lou has any appetite to trade Ratu because Patrick Kane um, is a pending UFA. And unlike Pajot and Palmieri, I think we're kind of, you know, almost slam dunks to re-sign. This is Patrick Kane. Um, he's going to have the the pick of his litter or who he wants to sign with. Uh, and I don't know if Lou would take the chance to trade for a couple of months of Kane and then be out Ratu, uh, be out of first, which he's traded with three or four years in a row. Um, and I just don't think he has the appetite for it. Uh, I think he, he wants to acquire Kane if, you know, if the Islanders are in it. Uh, but Again, I, I don't think he wants to trade Ratu just because, you know, him and Dufour are really their, their top prospects. And similar to the Bruins, you know, they aren't, you know, they aren't that deep there. Um, you know, and Ratu, I think, is a potential future second-line center for him. Um, and again, the first-round pick in the draft capital that they've dealt a lot in the last couple of years. So, And then on the Blackhawks end, they probably maybe want Wallstrom in place of Bavillier, um, pieces like that, which, again, I don't think Lou has any appetite to move, so. Uh, I think I tend to think both teams might say no. Uh, I'm inclined to say that this might be the best deal on the mar- on the on the table for the teams that he might list, and I think he might this might end up being a yes for both. That's where I'm inclined to say because the Islanders are one of rare teams that he is rumored to want to go to, and uh, they can actually fit him under the cap. They don't have to do any much much cap juggling. They can just pick up Patrick Kane right now. So that means they don't have to go over the, just overboard to be like, Hey, can you, um, uh, hold on to 50% of his salary to get him under the cap. And the other thing is, what does Patrick Kane want? He's already won his conspite. He's won his Stanley cups. He's going to the hall of fame. If his career ends tomorrow. So he's got an MVP, uh, and, uh, uh, an art Ross trophy. So I, I don't know if that's, that's necessarily what, he might want, he might want to just play it all out, but stick with the Blackhawks. Here's one for you. Timo Meyer from San Jose for 2023 20, first Alex Turcott and Brant Clark. LA, I'm going to start with this LA. one. LA. Oh, it's LA? Blackhawks. LA. Yeah. Oh, my bad. <laughs> my bad. Sorry. Wait, it's LA. I thought you said Black, uh, Blackhawks. Oh, Why would it say God. Blackhawks? Those, those players aren't Blackhawks. Oh, well, I'm sick. <laughs> that's that's what we're going to go with. All right. LA Kings acquire Timo Meyer from San Jose. All right. That actually changes my answer as well for Alex Turcott and Brand Clark. Um, 
I'm going to say LA says no. I don't think that's going to be where their need is. That's it. They were, they just got Kevin Fiala and they got, they got a dearth of good scoring wings. Phil. I think both teams honestly say no to this one, because I think that San Jose would want more for Meyer, who is a restricted free agent after, um, after this year. Um, So technically his rights are still under control. Um, And then you have, you know, LA giving up one of their top center prospects, one of their top defensive prospects and a first round pick to a divisional rival, a direct division, a divisional rival, one of their most hated teams. Uh, I, I just, I don't see that. Uh, I don't see it from either end. So um, I'm going to say both teams say no here. And Anthony, I'm going to, I mean, they are division rivals, so I think they very well may both say no, but I'm going to say LA says no. Um, Brent Clark, they just drafted their high on him. And as much as they could use another upper echelon scoring winger like Timo Meyer, you got to remember his qualifying offer um, could be, you know, it's actually is $10 million for his qualifying offer. But either way, he's going to get he's going to get a lot of money. Um, and, you know, I, I mean, L.A.'s they're not in terrible cap situation, too, but they're a young team that's looking for looking toward the future. I don't know if they want to give up all those assets uh, as good as Timo Meyer is. It just kind of sad. I went through a flawless hour and 28 minutes, and then now I make a mistake, and everybody's jumping on me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, and the last one, this would be a tremendous blockbuster. I will start with you, Anthony. The Colorado Avalanche. No, you, you were not flawless for an hour and 28 minutes. <laughs> what, what did I mess up before this? Mitchell you Marner said, instead you, of Mitchell Miller. Oh boy, I said yeah. Mitchell Marner because that's his full oh name, isn't God. it? No, yeah, don't call yourself flawless for an I hour. Said, all right, I was yeah. near flawless. That's what uh, I said. <laughs> anyway, Colorado Avalanche acquires Mitchell Marner and Morgan Riley from uh, from the Avalanche for Mika Rantanen and Sam Gerrard. Anthony, go. Give me yours. So Meyer and Kane, I did, you know, players that could realistically, you know, be moved. This one's more of just like a fun one. Um, obviously, none of these players would be traded. Uh, but, you know, this one, um, I don't know. I mean, I it's like, you know, Marner, Rantanen, Riley, Gerard. Uh, I, I think I think Colorado says no. As good as Mitch Marner is, um, I think they like that Rantanen has the size, the strength. Uh, you know, he's really – actually, I don't want to say more. Marner is not a complete player because Marner is actually pretty solid defensively and he could score. But um, I think I think Colorado says no on this one. Um, I, I think they prefer Rantanen over Marner. Uh, they're both really superstar players, but I think I, I tend to think Colorado would be more inclined to say no than Toronto would be, um, to be honest with you. And is Riley Gerard? Um, not that Riley's really excellent in the defensive zone because he's not. But I, I do think he's a better defender than I Sam Gerard. Um, but yeah, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with Colorado and says Colorado says no on this one. Yeah, I'm I'm saying Colorado says no just because you know Miko Rantanen is one of their core players and was a part of a cup winner. And you know, he he seems like a guy that produces come playoff time. Mitch Marner um has kind of been up and down in the playoffs. And I mean, those guys have all been on the hot seat for what's been going on. 
So I don't know why Colorado would turn around and trade for two guys that have been criticized for their play in the playoffs when it matters the most in, in the, the biggest media spotlight in the entire NHL. And not only that, but I, I, I just don't think – I mean, the only reason why maybe Colorado would even consider it, which I don't think they would, but the only reason there would be for them to consider it would be the upgrade from Gerard to Riley. Because, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, neither one of those guys is great defensively, but Morgan Riley is a tremendous puck mover and is a big-time puck mover. But that would create such a cap problem for them, Colorado. So there's there's no way Colorado does this. I think they absolutely say no. Uh, first, I'm going to go with the obvious answer. It's no from Colorado. Mika Rantanen is their guy. They love Mika Rantanen. And he's he's I, I'd be shocked if he ever – plays for another team uh maybe maybe 10 years from now is a different story going to uh going to morgan riley though one reason why i think that colorado would still say no because of morgan riley is because they got bowen byram and byram looks like he's going to be a pretty good player so that's uh there's no need to to go out and get a defenseman in that case Sam Gerard might find himself getting moved only because of cap situations, but this might be their last run uh, with their current team right now. We'll see about that. That's all going to happen. So uh, if anybody else has got some uh, interesting uh, ones you might want to try to say, go ahead, throw that down in the comments below. But these are all just hypotheticals, guys. We're having some fun with this, and guess what? Sometimes <laughs> you just got to have some fun with the NHL, especially after talking about that uh, Mitchell Miller situation. So he got it right. Um, I'm, I'm glad I said the wrong name first, just to give us some levity in this situation. Uh, we're going to start taking some questions. And uh, if you guys got any hypothetical yeah. trades you want us to answer, throw it down in the comments below. I'll gladly share with these guys. and We'll end up putting them everywhere. All right. So not bad for our first uh, segment with that, with the, uh, the new situations. Um, Let's get some of the comments that are right over here. As Anthony has to run off. Yeah, Frankie, you're right about that. The Blues are brutal right now. By the way, I think this is my first time seeing you, so welcome to the show. Um, it's just, uh, <laughs> you just, yeah, yeah, Corey, you just got back for the mock trade segments. Oh, let's see what you have right here. <laughs> now, by the way, now. David, that's a good one. Trading Halak for a cold brew. You know what? You got to feel bad for him because Halak played well enough to win that game on on Sunday night. The Rangers just were not any good, and especially those last two periods. Philk is right. I would backskate at them. Cora uh, is asking, how about NYR gets Vladimir Tarasenko, St. Louis gets J uh, Julian Gauthier, Will Cooley, and a second-round pick. Looking at it like the Taylor Hall trade, but not giving up more. Phil, what do you think about that? Um, I think that might not be enough. I like Will Cooley. Um, I think it, uh, Julian Gauthier to me doesn't have much value. So basically you're looking at Will Cooley and a, and a second round pick for Vladimir Tarasenko. I think you're going to need a little more. So I think St. Louis says no to that. There were so many players that go through the New York Rangers. You look at and go, this guy's got promise you should stay with them and maybe you're going to get a good player out of it or get rid of them right now. And sometimes they've, they've gotten rid of players that have talent 
and that if they just stuck around with a little bit longer, Mark Savard comes to mind. Hell, remember Mike Canubel? I thought the Rangers have stuck around with him, but he ended up going to the Flyers and the Red Wings and being better. But um, and then started. What? The, the Bruins is where he really started to come out when he was playing with Joe Thorne and Glenn Murray. Yeah. And there's a lot of players that they've held on to, and you went, this guy is good, and then just didn't materialize. Uh, trying to think of one of those that come to mind. Julian Goche, the reason why I'm saying that is, Julian Goche is that guy that a lot of fans have been fighting with me about the last couple of weeks. I don't see it. Uh, Julian Goche can rush the net. He can't finish. Um... He's not a great player when it's not on the rush. I, I just don't see any value in Julian Goche, no matter what. By I, the way, I see why Core would say this. I mean, he's looking at Goche as an Andrews Bjork comparable. Um, I, I get it. I, I just think at this point, I, I think Andrews Bjork had more upside than Julian Goche has at this point. Um, Bjork was obviously he's older. He was drafted two years before Gauthier. Um, but Anders Bjork has also played more NHL games and he's actually produced. So, um, I, I, I really don't, I, I, I don't think there's as much of a comparison there as you would think, Core. I think Gauthier really doesn't have a whole lot. Like, like if you look at Anders Bjork's career stats, before he was traded to uh, Buffalo for Taylor Hall. I mean, well, let's just say, all right, so and entering into the year of 2021, that season, he had 108 games and 34 points in that time. So for comparison, I'm, I'm going to pull up Gauthier here in just a second so that this way you can kind of see it. But um, – I mean, right now, Julian Gauthier has 102 games and has 20 points. So um, it's, I mean, there is a discernible gap. And and Bjork had a season in which he had nine goals and 19 points in only 58 games in the COVID cutoff season in 2020. Gauthier, I mean, he hasn't broken double digits in any season. And he played yeah. a lot of games in 21, 22. He played 30 games in 2021, 20, 17 games in 19, 20. I mean, this guy just, he can't stick. He's a fringe NHL forward. So, yeah. And again, like David saying right here, he needs to finish. And who knows if you'll ever get that touch. Maybe Gauthier goes over to Europe, learns a few things, come back. Hey, you know what? That, that worked for, um, Oh, I can't believe he f- I just forgot his name. Colorado Avalanche. What? Former star, Colorado Avalanche. I can't believe I forgot his name for a second. They just Playing. re-signed him. He had a huge... Uh, oh, Nishkin. Wow, Nishkin. He went back to the KHL, learned a lot of things. And you know what? Maybe people calling him the next Evgeny Malkin kind of yeah. started weighing on him. Comparisons were ridiculous. But yeah, Core, I, 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 can't, I can't say that... Uh, um, that Cooley would would bring that up to the point that you would uh that you're you're thinking of there. I I just I don't right. see it. Sorry, I think they're gonna have to give up more. 
Uh, Phil, we're going to go about like maybe three more minutes, but can we come up with a realistic proposal for Vladimir Tarasenko? Because by the way, one thing I've been saying also is all the talk about Patrick Kane. If the Islanders got Vladimir Tarasenko, that's huge for them. I and think you have to look at one of, um, I would say either it would have to be a first round pick and then one of either Ratu or Dufour. And, and then uh, I don't know, maybe uh, I'm not going to say Wallstrom because I think that's overkill there. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I think a first round pick, one of Ratu or Dufour. And then maybe a prospect like Holmstrom or one of their other lower level, mid level type prospects after that. Because I, I just think that there are going to be other teams that are going to give more than that. I, I, again, I think the better target for them to go to is Vladimir Tarasenko. I think they kind of could use him more so because they got enough playmakers. Get a finisher. That's what the Islanders should be doing. And that's what I think they should look over to. Um, Matt is asking, what do you guys think of the new lines in practice today? I think Gallant is just panicking. He is desperately trying to find something that will work. Truba needs to be stripped of his captaincy. Well, he's not going to be stripped of his captaincy because they're not going to strip somebody of their captaincy within a month. Oh, by the way, I think you would definitely get that extension in for Tarasenko if they trade for him. If the bigger the piece the extension has to be in there before anything happens. So, Phil, do you know what the lines were today at practice? Yeah, it was uh, – Kreider was back on the top line with Zibanejad, but it was Jimmy VC on the right side. Panarin was playing with Trocek and Kravtsov, and then the kid line was reunited. I'm all over the kid line being reunited, but I've said this numerous times. Filipino is not exactly a facilitator. So, in that case – Move Philip Hedel with Panarin, who is a facilitator. And I understand what they were trying to do yesterday. Look, I'm still not impressed with anything I've seen out of Vitaly Kratzoff. I was trying yesterday. I know he was at least on for a goal for Goody. But, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm yeah, not seeing anything with him. I, I'm not seeing anything with Vitaly Kratzoff. Uh, I, 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 need, I need more. Um, I, I just, I don't, I haven't seen enough. I haven't seen enough, and um, I, I I don't know what VC has done to deserve to be on the top line there. That's just kind of – that's insanity to me. Yeah, it's absolute insanity to me. Um, I mean, you had Chris Kreider there and on that, that third line, and they that third line actually played well last night. And then he goes and does this. I, I mean, I just – I don't get it. Like, to right. me, it, it, I mean, these lines just scream desperation. He screamed desperation. He just seems like he's, I don't know. He, he just doesn't have an answer right now. And he's not, you know, he's not pushing the right buttons. Uh, it, yeah. it may be time for a new voice. And, and that's the, that's just the thing, because look, uh, there's been a lot of coaches that have tried to figure out the, the right wing for Kreider and Zibanejad for the last five years, whether or not it's Buchnevich or not. But then you got him. You can't have Kako with Panarin because I think then you got two guys that dominate the puck that they're, they're just going to hold on to it forever. Lafreniere, I thought at times I'm seeing it. And then at times it's, it's just, he's just invisible. So it's, how do you get to maximize Lafreniere? That's where I'm, that, I'm having yeah. trouble. 
and maybe he needs to be a left wing because the most of the even though Pete says this and he's right about this, most of most of the development that's happened with those three has happened when the three of them play together. Yeah, um, yeah, I I do agree that young forwards de- uh, develop with experienced line mates, and I'll even I'll even go look at Pete and and the team that he watches and what they've done with Seth Jarvis. They put him in a situation where um, you know he was surrounded by veteran talents that could do you know you know, could do a lot to help him out, and you gotta like I said. You've, you've got to bring you've got to bring young forwards along by placing them in situations to optimize their development and their output and it just the Rangers organization has just done such a terrible job with this wave over the last I would say five years of of you know having these guys develop like Zabanajad kind of came out and did his own thing and Zabanajad's development came down to his off season training and they, mm-hmm. they, they dealt away JT Miller because JT Miller, you know, he, he didn't take his off season training seriously as well. And I, I actually know stories from people that I'm friends with who have actually seen guys like JT Miller and Kevin Hayes partying, you know, and the way that they party and, and JT Miller even admitted in an interview that, you know, I, I, it, it took me to trade to Vancouver to wake up to realize that I had to I had to take the next step to my game. You know, well, that's because uh, two teams already gave up on him by then. Two, you know, two teams gave up on him, but you know, you've you've got to you've got to turn around and, and put these guys in the right positions. You don't have Alexi Lafreniere on power play one, which is ridiculous. Power play one has been struggling for quite some time. They need another shooter that can take away. You know the the looks from Zibanejad and Panarin, and give them a reason to open up and not cheat towards Zibanejad. They're cheating towards Zibanejad in that cross seam pass. You've got to put a shooter on that left side, on on that far on those far boards, a left hand shot. Mm-hmm. That's Alexi Lafreniere. That's Capo Caco. These guys are gonna start putting up points and getting more confidence when you start putting them in opportunity or situations to where they get opportunities. To, to develop that confidence. They're just not doing it here at all. And I, I don't understand why they refuse to do it. Take Trocheck off that first power play. You don't need him on there. And Stop. while you're at it, and while you're at it, take Trocheck away from Panarin. Tro, Trocheck is a good player. You don't need to have him with Panarin. You know who Trocheck should be playing with? I, I, let me find somebody who said this earlier. Mm, Kako. Because again, Vinny Trocheck. And I know, and I know uh, the guy right over here had a little bit of a Twitter beef last night talking about Vinny Trocheck and Ryan Strom. Um, but um, Trocheck, you're right, Joe. Trocheck is a superior player in every single way. Superior defensively. Superior. Uh, I mean, come on. Like, I mean, Vinny Trocheck. He doesn't need to be with Artemi Panarin. And by the way, Philk, I said this over and over again. Matchups. Matchups are what everything is. And if you're telling me you're a player, you've been through this, where if you look across the ice and you got a, a line that's giving you trouble, and then you get the rotation that's not against the line that's giving you trouble, you end up going, All right, now I can maybe I could do something else. Trocek is their defensive, is it's their, probably their best defensive center. Maybe. 
I mean, Goudreau? Or arguably, if you want to say, you know, Mika Zibanejad. Mika Zibanejad's playing good two-way hockey right now. Um, but, again, you, you need to be able to put these kids in situations in which they're going to develop. And they, they haven't done this so far. And something's got to change. The power play has been spotty. Change that up a little bit. You well, know, the, the lines at even strength just aren't working. Change those up. So I, I, I get it, but I, I don't know. The, these lines kind of reek of desperation. And I get why he want. I get why they want the kid line back together because they need a third line that can score. And I understand that. I, I, I completely understand it. But Jimmy VC in the top six is a problem. And if, if that's going to take away from that second line, then, you know, that could be a problem. But you know what? I'll, I'll look at it in a, in a glass half full perspective. If this is the move that gets Vitaly Kravtsov going, then that goes a long, long way for this franchise. A long, long way. I, I think you need the Contra code in order to get him uh, to – <laughs> even even One do of the anything I, cheat codes ever yes it's just i look at him and i just think to myself phil this guy is not an nhl player you're gonna have all the talent in the world again if this is baseball we talk about their stuff in their pitcher oh their stuff is amazing aj burnett had great stuff oliver yeah. perez had great yeah. stuff guess what they're not a good pitcher so like that's what this ends up coming down to. I don't think Vitaly Kratz because he's not he's not the best skater. I kind of made the joke last night. I mean, is he drunk or something? He always seems to be off balance. And he nearly ended his career well, two weeks ago against Dallas because he's off balance and and the defenseman ran ran with the boards. The reason why VZ is in the top six is because he drew two penalties last night. He also took a penalty that led to an Islander goal, but. I think he had two penalties that he drew that ended up leading to Ranger goals. So it's hard to say what's what's what with that. So yeah, uh, some something's gonna have to change, Phil. And they're gonna they're gonna be going on tomorrow night. Uh, who do they get tomorrow night? They get Calgary, Detroit. Detroit? Yeah, yeah, awesome. Uh, All right, end it with this one here. Um, Othman was never gonna get the the call this year as much as we all wanted it. The plan was to try to see if he would have been ready and, and, and blow the doors off of them in camp in preseason. And if, if that would have been the case, then they would have kept him up. But he didn't do that, and, that, and that's fine. You, you can't expect that of a, of a player. But I, I, I do think that there's a very strong chance that Hoffman makes this team next year because I, I think he's just going to – I think it's it, that really pissed him off that he didn't make it. And you can tell by the start of the season that he had – he was OHL player of the month. Yeah. Like he has gone out and he is literally Roddy Piper and they live. I came to <laughs> chew bubble gum and kick some ass and I am all out of bubble gum and I don't have a gun. So I'm going to use a hockey stick and shoot you all down with pucks into nets. Uh, and, and you know, I, I think you might be right about this court. I, I, I think he might be up with the team when his OHL season slash playoffs end. And you, you might see him for a few games then, but it, it I, the start of the season was just never, it wasn't going to happen. And Phil, we're going to wind this down probably in the next two minutes, but uh, this is why I think you're right about that one, hundred percent, because 
the Rangers aren't going to have that much cap, especially if they go get uh, a defenseman or even like, let's say they go for a bigger player. So then, <laughs> yeah, that's right, Pete. But, you know, that's why I think uh, Ottman might be here. And I think I think you're right about that one, 100%. The other thing is the Rangers had to make that move because you had to see what you had in Vitaly Kratzoff. If you caught lightning in a bottle, it was going to be beneficial for everyone. Because yep. then Kratzoff could trade it, work, play his way out of town, which he's doing it in the other direction, not the, the good direction. Um, but at least something had to happen with it. I mean, I, I can't wait to see what Ottman's going to bring to this team, but I mean, man, Philk, it's they, 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 they're going to have to figure out roles and they're going to have to play a guy that's making $6 million, not on power play one. And they still have to play a, a, a number two and a number one overall pick on power play one. Everybody's got to suck up their egos on this. And right now, that's where they are. They're they're very much on their egos, and they're not as good as as what as what they've been. You know what's funny? I I, I think it was David Wood who, yeah, it was. I, I I just found the comment. I don't know why my thing is freezing right now. Um, he said that the team was like it was in the '90s and the 2000s with the bloated contracts on underperforming players. Now they're just taking up cap space. Um. I, I feel like this is sort of like that. Um, I, I will say that this team reminds me more of 92, 93, though. Um, you know, talented, took a big step in the year before. Funny enough, these are 30 years apart, these teams, exactly to the seasons. 91, 92, the Rangers won the President's Trophy, um, went to the second round. They got beaten by the eventual Cup champs, Mike Richter, the 60-foot goal, LeBron Francis. Mm-hmm. Um, then they came back next year, Brian Leach injury. Um never seemed to get their footing right. And there were a lot of lackluster efforts uh, clashing between Messier and Nielsen. And then, you know, Nielsen and, and management and it ended up to Nielsen's departure. Um, Galant's, a, Galant's a very good coach. Don't yes. get me wrong. But I, 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 I think that I think he might lean a little too much on um, the leadership group. And I don't think this leadership group is good enough. So I think that they might need a thank you, Shannon. We appreciate that. But I, I think that they might need a different voice. And I think they need a disciplinarian the same way that the 92, 93 team needed Keenan. And then that this 2022, 20, 2023 team might need somebody like Barry Trotz. And I, I'm not saying that Trotz is necessarily the best option just because I know how he can stifle offense. And but, young players. And young players, yeah. And and so that could still be a problem for the Rangers. But um I'll tell you right now, they they need a disciplinarian and they need somebody who's more stern than Gerard Gallant because this leadership group is not doing it. And by the way, there might be another name into the mix. I don't I wouldn't be surprised. Mike Sullivan ends up taking the fall in Pit in, in Pittsburgh. And then and he's gotta there, remember one thing about that. He's got a history with the Rangers, not only as a player, but as an assistant coach under John Tortorella. So they're Correct. familiar with him. And, and again, oh, he's got ties to Chris Drury as well. Yes. And also, by the way, Shannon, thank you very much yet again. Um, but this is why your, your comment is 100% online with that. You're talking about the Rangers that came off a President's Trophy season. And then you start saying, oh, well, we're just going to take the next step next year. You know what? 
it reminds me of a quote from Dan Marino that said, oh, I, we made that uh, Super Bowl the first year that I was uh, the the quarterback. And then I just said, oh, no worries. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll make it back. And then here he was when he did the interview, it was seven years into his career and they haven't been able to get back. You don't know when you have those chances. That's why you should always feel it. And I mean, you can see it right here. I mean, they need a change. Look at the Penguins, 2009. They fired Terrian, who took him to the finals the year before, and then they brought in Bilesma, who took him over the top and won the cup. It's what about what adjustment are they going to make? And if Gallant isn't a structure guy, let's say it like this. And by the way, if if they fired Gerard Gallant tomorrow, I'd have two words for him. Thank you, because he did exactly what you and I wanted him to do with this team. However. This team, I think he's a little so well, short of doing what a bigger I want. step. But if, but Phil, you, you've had these coaches before, the ones that get you to, to to play on adrenaline. You're not playing with structure; you're playing with adrenaline, and eventually it leaves, it leaves the body, and that's what happens. So um, yeah, yeah, I, I just. Uh, you know, I always refer to Gallant as a, as a Buck Walter type coach, but I, I, I think what I really wanted from Gallant if they couldn't win a Stanley Cup was to get him to get guys like Lafreniere and Kako to develop to that next level. And I, I, I just don't see it as of yet. So he's fallen kind of short of what I wanted. And you know what? You figured you were going to see a little bit of that last year. You saw a glimpse of it in the playoffs when they played together on the kid line, the three of them. but. I, and I'm just I'm not seeing where his plan is to develop them, and uh, and I'm not I I feel like he may be losing this team, like and, so. And again, and just to extend what you're saying because we are we are trying to sign off, but to extend what you're saying is what Davey's saying right now. When do you think Dolan is going to act on this team's poor performance? Because the thing is, the Rangers yeah. are good. Rangers were good last year. They were good the year. They they had the talent. He's already acted on them once. He's going to want them to act on this. And that's what's going to happen. If uh, it might be Thanksgiving, it might be Thanksgiving or the latest Christmas. But until this team gets forced into using Kako on the first unit, Lafreniere on the first unit, either or, or using them more, because I wanted to make a joke during the live tweeting yesterday. Oh, oh, what is it the Islanders have? Oh, there's the second unit power play. What's a second unit power play? It's not just 90 seconds and then you're off. It's just, come on. So, all right. So, guys, we're going to end it there because it's starting to, I'm, I'm starting to devolve myself into a bitch session, which, you know, if, if the Rangers go off and win the next few, I'll be happy with that. But this team right now, I'm not seeing promise that this team had from game one. We'd love to have that team back from game one. One of two complete efforts they've had all season. The, you know, the game that we were at was a pretty, was a, was a 60, uh, a 60 minute, 65 minute. Yeah. 65 minute effort. Um, but the fact that they can only give you two complete efforts all year out, out of a season that's almost 20 games in is just ridiculous. Got to remember, you're almost at the quarter mark. So, yeah. Um, it's, it's and, and as they say all the time, American Thanksgiving 
most of the time you could draw a line and that's it. Sort of like um, Memorial Day for baseball. There's another one to throw in there. Football, there's always a lot of moving parts. That's why I don't get yeah. that for football as much. So, everybody, by the way, thanks for joining us today. And thanks for joining us for our brand new segment of Who Says No. Uh, we got a lot more that we're going to be covering this week. Um, that uh, you always look for my 90-second reviews. Always look for Phil. Ready to talk some post-game whenever he can. And uh, sometimes life gets in the way. We have an interview. We have the book with Tom Laidlaw, the New York Rangers. He's going to come on. That that's we got to get that started. And you know, just it's it's going to be a rough month of November. So for well, so far it's already been a rough month of November. I want to say, but then again, every November for me is pretty rough. How about you, Phil? I mean, something nice happens at the end of the month, but that's really about it. Yeah, no, there is actually that is a nice day that happens at the end of the month. Um, really, it. (laughs) Yeah. All right, guys, thank you very much for joining us today, and uh, we'll see you next week, hopefully with a brighter attitude. 